Welcome to the Friday Night You Just Might Get What You Pray For workshop of WCNA 31. My name's Harry and I'm an addict. Can we please uh, open the meeting with a moment of silence followed by the serenity prayer? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Um, I've asked Joseph to read uh, What is the Narcotics Anonymous Program? Yes, sir. I'm recovering act. My name is Joseph from Detroit, Michigan. What is the Narcotics Anonymous Program? NA is a nonprofit fellowship or society of men and women for whom drugs had become a major problem. We are recovering addicts who meet regularly to help each other stay clean. This is a program of complete abstinence from all drugs. There is only one requirement for membership, the desire to stop using. We suggest that you keep an open mind and give yourself a break. Our program is a set of principles written so simply that we can follow them in our daily lives. The most important thing about them is that they work. There are no strings attached to DNA. We are not affiliated with any other organizations. We have no initiation fees or dues, no pledges to sign, no promises to make to anyone. We are connected... We are not connected with any political, religious, or law enforcement groups and are under no surveillance at any time. Anyone may join us regardless of age, race, sexual identity, creed, religion, or lack of religion. We are not interested in what or how much you used or who your connections were, what you have done in the past, how much or how little you have, but only in what you want to do about your problem and how we can help. The newcomer is the most important person at any meeting because we can only keep what we have by giving it away. We have learned from our group experience that those who keep coming to our meetings regularly stay clean. I've asked Ronald um, to read Why Are We Here. Hi, family. My name is Ron, and I'm an addict. Why are we here? Before coming to the Fellowship of NA, we could not manage our own lives. We could not live and enjoy life as other people do. We had to have something different, and we thought we had found it in drugs. We placed their use ahead of the welfare of our families, our wives, husbands, and our children. We had to have drugs at all costs. We did many people great harm, but most of all, we harmed ourselves. Through our inability to accept personal responsibilities, we were actually creating our own problems. We seem to be incapable of facing life on its own terms. Most of us realized that in our addiction we were slowly committing suicide. But addiction is such a cunning enemy of life that we had lost the power to do anything about it. Many of us ended up in jail or sought help through medicine, religion, and psychiatry. None of these methods were sufficient for us. Our disease always resurfaced or continued to progress until in desperation, we sought help from each other in Narcotics Anonymous. After coming to NA, we realized we were sick people. 
We suffer from a disease from which there is no known cure. It can only be arrested at some point, and recovery is impossible. At this time, I'd like to introduce our first speaker, Lorraine G. from New York. Hi, family. I'm an addict. My name is Lorraine. I need to tell you, I'm like real nervous, okay? Um, I need to thank NA for allowing me to get up here and share my experience, strength, and hope. Um, this topic could not be like more appropriate in my life today. When they called me to speak, they called me about three months ago. I need to tell you, I thought it was a joke. All right. They called me like 11.30 at night. I thought it was my friend Charles. I started cursing him out. I said, listen, I got to go to work tomorrow. Like, stop playing. You know, and he was saying, no, this is the World Convention. We want you to speak. I said, get out of here, man. Stop playing. Then I thought it was my brother. But my brother's not part of the fellowship. And then I started looking around in my room. I started getting paranoid. I thought I had cameras. I was like, wait a minute. Something ain't. I'm, no, for real. I'm dead serious. I, I'm telling the truth. You have the true story. Okay, I was like, real? I just thought it was a joke. Um, I ran to my home group. The person said to me, they gave me their name. They said, ask the old timer about me. I ran to my home group that Sunday, and I asked the old timer, and they said, sure. He exists, and it's an honor. You're going to share around hundreds of people. I said, no way. But I need to tell you that I, like, I am truly grateful to like, have the opportunity to get up here and share. My first convention... Um, it was in Concord, New York. I must have had like, let me say, New York. <laughs> um, I think I had like 13 months clean, and I was sitting in the main meeting, um, and they were sharing some like real powerful stuff. And I was sitting there, and I said to myself, wow, like, I hope that one day, like, I could get up there and do the same thing. And here I am almost 10 years later. So, um, you just might get what you pray for. I believe it truly goes both ways. Sometimes we pray for things and um, we regret, like, praying for them. Like, them relationships. You know? Yeah, yeah, you know. We pray for a relationship and then we get a... Like these unhealthy ones that got us like pulling our hairs out and, you know, we pray for the credit cards and then we like spending all the money, you know. Um, so for me, I think it go like hand in hand. But before I talk about that, I need to talk to you about a little bit about how I got to be able to pray. Because for a long time I couldn't pray. Um, you know, I grew up in a household where I went to Catholic school. I believed that like God was going to punish me for everything I did wrong. And my grandmother, like, instilled that in me. You know, she said, like, you're going to be like your mother, a heroin addict. You're never going to be nothing. Um, and you like, no good. And for, like, many years, I used, like, behind that. You know, I continue to use, like, just to, like, medicate, like, all the negative things that, like, I thought that they were true about myself. Um... I suffered through my addiction, y'all. 
And I suffered like for so many years. I just like could not stop using. I thought I couldn't stop. I thought I couldn't stay stopped. Okay, um and like my addiction took me places that like I thought I would never, ever, ever go. Um of course I started with the weed, went on to the coke, um Never did heroin because, like, my mother shot heroin, and, like, I was just afraid of it, all right? Um, I used crack, like, for a lot of years, although dust was, like, my drug of choice, all right? But it was crack that brought me to, like, my bottom. Um, whew. Crack had me, like, homeless, like, real dirty, like, real stinking. Um, I remember going to jail, and it's a true story. Police had me, I had my own cell, because my feet was stinking that bad. So, like, they didn't, I'm serious, they'd make everybody take their shoes off. They didn't want me to take my sneakers off, because I was, like, really stinking, like, real bad. And I lived like that, like, for many years, man, for many years. Like, I knew, like, no other way. Through my active addiction, I remember praying one day, because I prayed, like, foxhole prayers. I hope he come around. I hope I find a crack. I hope they open. You know, all that kind of shit. Like, excuse me. Like, when we want to use, right? Um, that's like the only time I prayed. I remember praying one time for, like, some money. And my girlfriend came over. She said, yeah, they on Lennox Avenue. And there's a van over there who's, like, paying you some money, like, to get some blood tests, blood work done. I was like, okay, good. Look, I'm going. Van over there. Let them take my blood, got my little money. They said, you come back in a week and a half, we're going to give you a little $20. You know, I didn't even know what the hell I was taking blood for, y'all. Like, I really didn't know. All I know is that, like, I was getting paid and I was able to smoke some crack. When I went back there, them two weeks, to get whatever the results, like, I really didn't know. That's when they told me, like, I was diagnosed with AIDS 13 years ago. So I say that because I prayed to get some money, and as a result, I got like the worst news in my life. And that's when I wanted to die. Like I felt like somebody just took a knife and just stuck it in my chest. and. I just, like, really wanted to die. So when I talk about hitting bottom, it was that AIDS diagnosis that made me hit bottom. So if I was, like, under the car, I was, like, under the sidewalk then. I didn't want to live anymore. I, like, did not want to live. I didn't think I had any hope to live. Um, wow. My addiction took me to jail. Um, thank you. Uh, and even in jail, like, I didn't want to stop using y'all. 
You know, I remember them, like, offering me some programs, and, like, I was in there twisted. Like, I was like, I don't want no program. And they thought I was crazy. You got to do the 49 year. You got to come down on parole. Like, I didn't want no program because I knew, like, I still had, like, reservations. Like, I didn't have a desire, like, not to stop using. My best friend called me. Well, I used to call her in jail, and she told me that she was going into a program. And I said, no, you're not, girl. You ain't going in. Yeah, right. She said, yes, I am. And I said, yeah, okay, well, I'll call you in 28 days, whatever, because she was, like, doing this rehab, right? And in 28 days, I called her, and she said, Lorraine, like, I completed this program, and, like, I'm staying clean. I'm making meetings and all of this. I said, for real? I said, well, you know what? But before she went in the program, I had said to her, if you come out and you stop you, because, you know, we was running buddies, you know, for like many years. I said, if you come out and stop using, I'm going to stop using too. And um, I called her when she got out that program. And she said, I'm making meetings. And I kept calling her. And, like, we lived, like, in this drug, like, infested building. Like, they used to sell, like, on all the floors and everything. But she stayed clean. And I need to share that about her because, like, it was through her that I made the decision to go into treatment. And um, I went into treatment. She was the only one who came to visit me, the only one who stayed in touch with me, like, through the whole year that I was in treatment. When I came out, like, she took me, like, to my first meeting. And so, like, I want to thank, like, the old-timers, you know, the people who've been here, like, before me, like, just, like, for keeping the doors open. Um, like, it is truly a blessing. She took me to my first meeting. She introduced me to people in the rooms. Um, I started making meetings with her. And, you know, like, I still had some, I was still ambivalent, you know, like, I was like, yeah, I'm still on parole, I'm still mandated, but when I get out. When I get off all of that, you know, like, still in the back of my head. And, um, but I kept coming to meetings. And, like, I kept hearing, like, little bits and pieces of my story to different people, men too. Wow. I'm just, like, so grateful for her. Because, like, she believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. We still make meetings today. Um, yeah. Um, I got out of treatment. I made a decision to stay clean, like I said. Um, kept making the meetings. But just let me just take you one step back. That, like, when I first was introduced to the steps, I had a real problem with them. I had a lot of resentment with God. I blame God, like, for everything that went wrong in my life, like, everything. The fact that my mother left me in a store, six months old, she left me, all right? Um, never met my father, heroin addict. Thought that my grandmother loved my five sisters more than me. Like, I have, I have big-time resentments. And um, so I couldn't get with the steps because the steps said, like, we have to come to believe that a power greater than ourselves can restore us to sanity. I wasn't going for that. Because a power greater than me, I felt at the time, had taken everything from me and stripped me. 
and like I had no hope. When I started coming into the rooms, I started learning, like, you know, to be open-mindedness and, and the willingness and, and all of that stuff because I listened. You know, I didn't share a lot in the meetings. And well, at the beginning, you know, you newcomer, you want everybody to know your story. You share and say, you know, yeah, you know, it's the truth. You know, I just got out of jail, blah, blah, you know, all that stuff, right? But um, I listen, you know, like, I joke a lot and... and I love to make people laugh, and I love helping people. And even when it don't seem like I'm listening, I'm listening, because I'm a good listener. So I took the bits and pieces again like that. I thought that um, would help me, like, in this process. And I try to work them, like, to the best of my ability. And some days it gets, like, real difficult, you know, because, like I said, um, I was real willful. I was like, you know, I, I'm, I just wanted things to just change. Like, right now, this minute, it's not happening quick enough, you know. And being here, like I came to some kind of acceptance that my mother left me because she was a heroin addict and she was unable to take care of me. And, like, she left me with some people that love me. But I didn't look at that piece. I was so mad at her for leaving me. I was just like stuck on that. I didn't care that she gave me to somebody that took care of me. I learned in here. Mind you, my mother died when she was 32 from heaven when I was 16. And it took me like 20. Oh, I'm going to tell my age. I'm going to tell it because I don't look fabulous 43. <laughs> But, um, <laughs> my bad. No, but, um, I came in here, you know, like, I, I came to some kind of acceptance about my mom, and, um, I started going to therapy, and, like, I forgave my mother, and I had never been to the cemetery since she had died, and I went, into, I went, you know, to see, visit her grave, like, 20 years after she was dead, and I remember, like, talking to the tombstone, and just, like, I didn't even, I just told her, like, thank you. Like, because I made bad decisions. I made bad choices in my life. You know, she did the best thing that she could because she was an addict. And so she gave me to somebody that took care of me. But I couldn't see that, you know, when I was younger and I was using. But it was through the rooms and people in here that... Show me how to forgive. And, like, I love my mom, man. I miss her. I know if she was here today, she'd be truly, like, my best friend. Um, she was, like, a beautiful person. But I learned how to forgive her, you know, and I made peace with that, man. And I need to tell y'all, like, wow, that. Like, when I made peace with her, man, I felt free. Because for so many years, I had, like, so many resentments. And feeling free is, like, a real good feeling. I mean, it's awesome. When you hold on to that, you know, um, they walking around laughing and you're suffering. So, like, I learned how to, you know, do, do some forgiveness up in here. And I try to practice that today. Because I still hold resentments. You know, I'm getting better with it. I'm not as bad as I used to, but I'm getting better. But I think the difference is today, I could be honest about it. 
And like, I'm quick to tell my sisters, don't get me mad. Y'all know I hold resentments. Like, for real. I'll tell them like real quick. You know, I'll be honest with them. You know, um, my sisters be looking at me like, well, you know, what you talking about? You know, I start programming all of that and um, they can't get with none of that, but it's okay because they don't have to understand my addiction. I have to understand my addiction. You know, and I've learned today that when they want to drink and smoke their little weed, you know, like I remove myself because they tell me, like, I don't know how you go to party with them N.A. people and, like, not ha and have fun. They don't understand. You know, they don't. They just will not get it. And, like, that's okay. You know, um, I love my family. I love them from a distance. My family for me is people, places, and things for me even almost 10 years later. So I, um... I don't go around them as often as I would like to and like do the family thing because they can't do the family thing. And they stuck on things that we fought about 15 and 20 years ago. For real. I tried to put a barbecue together like three weeks ago. I was like invited all my sisters, my brothers. She said she ain't coming because she come in and this one. And you know, it was a whole big thing. I said, you know what? It's all right. I'm going to go to the park by myself. Look, I mean, you know, like, that's where I'm at today. You know, like, we could be all right, but I'm not going to force you to be all right with me. No, I'm serious. I'm, like, really not going to do it today. I'm really not. You know, um, I don't work too hard. I came too far. And everything that I have accomplished in my life today, I did it. Like, I did it, man. You know, nobody, like... <laughs> I did it through help, so I need to say that. I, 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 from help, like, especially, like, through Narcotics Anonymous. Um, and I'm like, again, I just can't say, like, how grateful I am, like, to this program. You know, so when I started, like, making amends with some people in my life, and even making amends with myself, um, I started to learn how to pray just a little, you know, a little bit, right? And... I find that today when I pray, I pray differently. You know, I don't pray, like, for things that I don't have and wish I had, you know. Like, I just pray real hard, like, for God to keep me in this process. And, like, I pray for that, like, every day on a daily basis, you know. Um, I had a life-threatening uh, um, experience last year. I had a DVT on my leg, which is an aneurysm, right? I had two strokes. I was in the hospital almost two months. I went from bedridden to the wheelchair to the walker to the crutches to the cane. Like, and mad because I couldn't wear no shoes. Mm. Man, I was. My best friend came to, the mo to, to see me in the hospital, and she was going to celebrate. She showed me her shoes, and I was like, girl, please, just put it on my foot. Just let me. For real. That's true, y'all. I was like, just put it on my foot. Just let me feel the shoe on my foot. I mean, ooh. That's crazy. But um, <laughs> when I went in the hospital, um, I'm grateful that I'm, I was clean and I was able to be able to call the ambulance. Because when all of that was taking place in my system, I was asleep. And my friend called me. I, have, I was working the night shift, 12 to 8, in the residential program. And my friend called me like at 10.30 and said, 
got to go to work. Well, so I said, oh, my God, thank you for waking me up. And when he woke me up, I'm talking to my best friend on the phone, and I'm saying, girl, my leg's turning blue. And I said, girl, I'll call you back later. Don't worry about it. It wasn't the one. I called her back. I called her back because I was calling the ambulance. I couldn't walk. I stayed stuck, like, right there. I was just out of it. My blood pressure was like a 60 over 40. Um, I had no oxygen going to my brain. They took me out in my underwear, and he was like, get, I said, don't, don't get no pants. Just get me up out of here. Just take me to the hospital. And when I was laying there, because I watch a lot of Discovery Channels and Health, yeah, I, I kept asking the nurse, you know, my leg is blue. I can't feel it. Like, are they going to have to cut it off? Like, what's going on? And she was trying to calm me down. I said, oh, something, something ain't right here. Like, you need to be honest with me. No, you're going to be all right. And I almost lost my leg. But um, I knew that it was something real, real serious with my health because of the way they was running around all crazy. And I took a minute, and I prayed, and I didn't even ask God, like, Help me keep my legs. All I asked him, I said, God, I know whatever I'm going through, it's like real serious. And all I ask you to do is that when I come up out of this, that I don't use. Right. Um, wow. So uh, I didn't use behind it. Um. So with that, um, like, I started in this process again, like, not knowing how to pray, praying for the wrong things, my active addiction. I came in here and I learned how to pray and become a little more open-mindedness and taking suggestions. And today, you know, I'm just, like, real grateful. And, like, when I pray today, I know that it's, like, real different. You know, it's like real different, and I know it is because I feel it. And just the fact of me sitting, like, standing, like, right here. I didn't pray for this, y'all. Because I didn't even give them my name. I don't know how they got my name. I didn't submit no tape or nothing. But, um, like, I'm grateful. Um, so with that, I just want to say, like, I welcome, like, any newcomer that's in here tonight. Um, and I thank, like, the old time is, like, just for keeping the door open for me. And, like, I love y'all. You know, I ain't got to know you to love you. Like, I love you because, like, you love me until I learn how to, like, love myself a little more. Thanks for letting me share. Let's give her one more hand. Thank you. Now I'd like to introduce our second speaker, Shmel R. from Israel. My name is Shmuel, and I am an addict. A very grateful one. And uh, me too, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm not used to this. Uh, they called me at two in the morning. And uh, I was really upset. Uh, I've had tried to see, and every Thursday night I, I take my medication, and everybody 
who knows, knows me knows not to call me Thursday night or Friday because I don't feel too good. And they called me Thursday night, 2 in the morning. And I grabbed my cell phone and I started to say, who the? And I saw it was international. I said, oops, might be your mother. I said, hello. Thank <laughs> God, I probably wouldn't be speaking here tonight if I said the way I was going to, you know. But, uh, you know, I love you, you know. And uh, there's a lot of love in this room. I look at it. I wish you could see what I say. I see a lot of answered prayers. A whole room full of prayers answered. You know, I, I went to my first convention at a, when I was three years clean. It was uh, called Staying Alive in 85 in Washington, D.C. I think the whole convention was as big as this room, and it was a world convention. And, uh, wow, what a journey. Look at us now. You know, 205 uh, in Hawaii. And uh, for me, it's been an incre- incredible, uh, incredible uh, few days seeing people I hadn't seen in years. I got clean in uh, Los Angeles, lived in New York and Florida in my recovery. And I'm, I've been seeing people I haven't seen uh, since early recovery. And they're old. Uh, I'm, look, I'm looking at them and going, wow, they got old. And I look in the mirror, you know. <laughs> Me too. So thank God we all got old together, you know. Thank God. You know, I, I got here on a prayer. I probably, I'm sure I was still alive to pray on my mother's prayers, you know. But uh, I remember at the end, uh, towards the end in 82, I'm having moments where I go, you know, I can't do this no more. You know, I just kept ODing, you know, flopping on the floor like a fish. <laughs> and when I didn't do that, I, I drink and black out, you know. And uh, I was one of the sick ones. Uh, somebody who used to buy cocaine for me, a musician. I'd bump into him for months in the store, on the street. He'd give me a hug and actually ask me how I was feeling and, and try and tell me about taking me to some kind of meeting. And I tell him, well, I'm glad you did something about your problem. You had a problem, you know. <laughs> and I just run away, you know, as fast as I could. And uh, one night after flopping on the floor like a, like a fish and waking up where I don't remember how I got there and where I was, I started talking to God, you know, and I begged him for help. And I put on my jacket and there's this crumpled up piece of paper in the corner and I flipped it out, and it was his number, you know, and I, and I called it, and he was there, like, immediately, and took me to a meeting, and uh, I've been here ever since. You know, I'm one of those people who knew, like, wow, I better stay, because I don't know if I'll ever get back, you know, and, you know, um, you know, I too want to thank uh, the people who got here before me, the sponsors I've had, all the uh, sponsors I've had that uh, left us, Doug F., and a uh, very dear sponsor by him, a Pepier. You know, and uh, without my sponsors, I, uh, I wouldn't have grown. You know, I wouldn't have uh, 
I mean, I'm just so grateful. I'm not just grateful for my recovery. I wouldn't have a life. I wouldn't be alive today if it wasn't for Narcotics Anonymous. You know, it's, for me, it's truly a gift of life. You know, and, uh, you know I was telling uh, another brother of, of mine, uh, who also was sponsored by Pepe, I had the opportunity to be with him just before he went into his coma. And he looked me in the eye. He couldn't really talk because he had tubes in him. And uh, he said to me, uh, Looked me in the eye, whispered, everything I've been telling you is true. I said, okay. Silva tried to figure out everything he told me, you know. But <laughs> Just, you know, hearing it and reading it is one thing, but living it's a whole other thing. A whole other ballgame, you know. You know, with all these great sponsors still, you know, at 10 years clean, I uh, got stuck on stupid and the uh, Started running on self-will, run riot, and I ended up in the federal prison for five years. You know, but God never abandoned me. I, I got through that clean. You know, and uh, if anything, I had abandoned God and I'd stopped uh, sharing up meetings and stopped uh, sponsoring people. My sponsor died, so I didn't replace him. You know. You know where that leads. Well, I found out where that leads. And, uh, you know, thank God I'm alive today. Thank God I'm here. You know, I never thought they'd, with that, I never thought they'd ever ask me to speak. You know. <laughs> uh, but uh, I also am very grateful for the fellowship. But they didn't pass, so I didn't get a letter from somebody somewhere in the world. Because for years I was like a world uh, convention junkie. I had to go, you know. And, I knew people all over the world from just from coming here, you know. And uh, again, it was the love of one addict reaching out to another that helped me get through that, you know. And uh, it's one thing I've learned in this room, you know. Uh, you know, God loves me, you know. He only wants to give to me, you know. I only have to open up and receive and uh, to give that love that I'm given, you know. And that's how this program works, one addict loving another, you know. And I learned how to pray in these rooms, you know. Uh, you know, I can read the, from a prayer book, I can read the Hillam, you can read from whatever tradition you have. But for me, the strongest prayer is when I get up in the middle of the night and I just talk to God, you know. I take a walk in the woods, along the beach, down the street, go in a room and stand before a wall and just close my thoughts and just talk, talk from my heart, you know, because... God's always listening, you know. But when I'm talking from my heart, uh, I get I get some uh, I get a response, you know. I may not always like the answer, <laughs> you know. So I have to be careful what I pray for, you know. But uh, God's been good to me, you know. Um, you know, and uh, what I learned in my early recovery, I still use today, you know. While I was on that five-year journey, uh. You know, in our 11th step, it teaches, you know, through prayer and meditation, we improve our conscious contact with the God of our understanding. And I've done just about every journey, except the, one, the tradition I was born into, you know. And one day I decided to investigate it. And uh, that led to, in 98, me walking into a, a synagogue and praying. And, and that led to the day they released me from uh, parole, or supervised release, what they call it today getting on a plane and visiting Israel. 
And uh, I, I fell in love with the country. And I fell in love with the Narcotics Anonymous here. You know, we're everywhere. And this fellowship there is strong. And I got a lot of love. And I said, wow, if they're here, maybe I can be here. But I can't be where there's no N.A., you know? You know, I went for a few weeks, stayed for three and a half months. You know, and I came back and I said, I'm moving there. And I started talking to uh, people in the program. I realized, you know, I still have a compulsive and impulsive nature. <laughs> Maybe you better just go back again and make sure this is what you want to do, because this is a big change. And I did. I went over for a month and stayed for nine months. You know, and uh, I went back, got my stuff, and immigrated, you know, and I've been living there, you know, for two and a half years. But uh, something happened. You know, my support group was uh, in Tel Aviv, Jerusalem, where they have meetings every day, many meetings every day. And I chose to live in the north in a small town on a mountain in a beautiful house, very spiritual place. But uh, it turned out to be there was no meetings there. You know, and uh, after about four months, five months, something was wrong. I was depressed. You can put me in paradise, but if I don't have an A, your paradise is no longer looking like paradise. You know, and going to Tel Aviv or Jerusalem uh, every two weeks and going to a meeting and uh, sharing with my uh, couple of sponsors I had picked up on, on the way was no longer working. And uh, I realized what I had to do. You know, there's addicts everywhere. And I went and found me one. <laughs> yeah, he thought I was a pain in the ass, let me tell you. you know? And, uh, you know, we started a meeting. Found a couple. And uh, next thing I know, people from uh, the fellowship from Tel Aviv, three hours uh, away, would drive up, come to the meeting, and leave and drive three hours back. Just to help us, you know, things that, uh, you know, just blew me away. They'd come from Haifa the next week, an hour and a half drive, you know. And, uh, but the meeting was based on uh, me running it. You know, that's not N.A., you know, me and a couple of newcomers. And when I'd go back to States to visit my mother, the meeting would stop. Or if I had a job, because I'm a freelance photographer, and if I had to work that day, there'd be no meeting. And uh, sometimes it felt like me giving a lecture, and that's not what it's about. And I can't afford that, you know. And uh, the meeting uh, kind of like dissolved. But from that effort, a couple of addicts from Tel Aviv who'd always dreamed of living up in the north in that little town showed up, moved in, and we started the meeting together again. And then being Israeli, found a couple of recovering addicts who, uh, like some of us do, stopped going to meetings. Wrote them in. We have a few meetings a week now. And it's going on even though I'm here. And I just show up and I'm just remembering that's the way I like it, you know. And uh, I learned that in Narcotics Anonymous, you know, that together we recover, you know. And uh, it's like I learned how to pray. And uh, I know uh, when I was lonely up in the spot, 
I asked guy what was the matter. He told me, start a meeting. Get with an addict, you know. And, uh, God, you know, I heard, uh, you know, I don't know if you were there at the jazz concert. I heard uh, Danny T. Uh, speak today. And uh, what more could I say? You know, it's uh, love. The love of God and the love of one addict reaching out to another. You know, everything good for me has always come about me helping another addict, you know. But I don't feel good. Go, go get somebody. Go help somebody, you know. When I'm out of service, when I'm isolating, when I'm alone, when I think uh, just about me, it, my life stops working so good. And uh, I'm just so grateful, you know. Oh, ten more minutes, okay. <laughs> I'm blanking out here. But, uh, you know, maybe we could have a moment where everybody just kind of says a little silent prayer, look around the room, you know, and and, and give your thoughts to God, you know, talk to Him. Because I I know God listens, you know, and you have a, a, the power of the energy of a a room like this, of addicts just, just sending thoughts together, it's powerful. You know, this afternoon I had a prayer answered. You know, you know how we get sometimes. One of my closest friends, been a sister of mine for most of my recovery. We had an argument on the phone about two years ago. I deleted her from my email list. (laughs) Wiped out her phone number of my phone book in a fit of anger. I still get sick. So now I can't even call her up. I'm in Israel. She's there. I don't know how to reach her. And I have to tell you, I didn't feel good about it after a while. After the anger went away. And uh, when I came here, I prayed, you know, I hope she's here. And I was sitting in a meeting this afternoon, and somebody gets up. It's this, it's this person. So I get up, walk outside. And all we could say to each other was, I love you. And let's be friends again. I can't remember who said it first. It kind of like, you know, to me that's the highest amends. You don't have to go, didn't have to go into the story. Who was right? Who was wrong? Just I love you and let's be friends. You know, because, you know, I came in here sick and I still have a lot of sickness. And I, I'm still praying. I, some days, you know, I say, you know, if I'd only pray to have my character defects healed, the way I prayed to have that obsession and compulsion to be removed from me, I'd be in pretty good shape. You know? But I still hold on to some stuff. You know? And uh, with God's help, you know, next time you see me, there'll be a little less stuff that I'm holding on to. 
you know, Bezat Hashem is what we say in, uh, in Hebrew, you know. And uh, all I can really say is, Baruch Hashem, we're all clean. You know, thank God. Thank God we're all clean. And I hope to see everybody here at a, another world convention still clean. And for every empty seat we see here, I like to see filled up. You know, because, uh, you know, together we recover. And uh, together we can pray together, you know. And, uh, you know, I was at that Sunday, or not Sunday, Thursday. I couldn't believe it. The governor of the state greeting addicts to the church state. Blew me away. I was thinking, I wish every government official felt that way. <laughs> and, you know, I know God's working in my life, because I have to tell you, before I came here, I was... I went to a quiet place and I was praying and I looked up and there was there was this lady, that governor. I was able to walk up to her and say, you know, thank you for greeting, for welcoming us. And she looked at me. You're you're here for the conference. <laughs> yes. I want to thank you for the warm welcome, because we don't look like addicts. We look like. I don't know. You know, we. You look like an angel to me, you know, this guy, beaming, full of love, right? You know, we sure don't look like we used to look like. <laughs> and with that, I'd just like to say thank you. Give him one more hand. And one more hand for both speakers. I've asked an, uh, an addict named Philip to read just for today. Just for the day, just for the day, carry yourself. My thoughts will be on my recovery, living and enjoying life without the use of drugs. Just for the day, I have faith in someone in aid who believes in me and wants to help me in my recovery. Just for the day, I will have a program I will try to follow to the best of my ability. Just for the day, to an aid, I will try to get a better perspective on my life. Just for today, I will be unafraid. My thoughts will be on my new association. People will not use and will find a new way of life. So long as I follow that way, I have nothing to fear. All the way from Indiana.